Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. Welcome to this, the 12th dose. It's called The Importance of Death. And it's an equinox contemplation, which might seem strange to have a death contemplation for the spring equinox, which is usually associated with new life. But bear with me, we'll get to that. First off, just to introduce myself, I'm Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast, this one in particular, because I do want to mark this spring equinox and celebrate it with you. And in general, I'm making this podcast because I want to celebrate and spread and highlight the magic that I've found in everyday existence and what I like to call the poetry of existence, these patterns and metaphors and beauty and awe and amazement and poignancy and that kind of sinking almost like a thud feeling you get when something's really not powerful in a in a muscle kind of way but powerful in like an ocean wave kind of way the moments and the things that are like that and all the little ones in between this is about exploring that and hopefully giving you something interesting to kind of chew on and mull over for the coming week. If you listen to the bonus episode on Friday, this is kind of a spin-off from that. Uh, in that one, I speak about the creative process and life direction and use this metaphor of seedlings and how a big tree makes a lot more seedlings than ever grow into an adult tree. And how in the creative, the evolutionary, the life-giving processes, there's a lot of potential that never fully actualizes. Like never, you know, ends up being a, a grown tree. So from there, this week's metaphor is that of a nursery log or a fallen tree in the forest. And this is this was on my mind when I was doing the seedling episode, and then thanks to my friend Helen, it's even more in my mind from some reflection reflections she shared back with me. So thanks, Helen, if you're listening. And I can feel okay, let's let's start with the equinox. Spring equinox is well, currently in the northern hemisphere. So it marks the official beginning of springtime. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you'd be experiencing the autumnal equinox. And uh, hopefully this is, well, this actually might be even more relevant to you. Uh, Yeah, it marks the beginning of springtime. And at least where I live, I can really feel that turning. The days are a lot longer, like as far as daylight. I'm recording this around 7 o'clock at night, and it's still totally light out, which just feels amazing. I can almost get shivers down my back just being so glad that there's evenings. The daffodils out front of my place are just about to open up and last night my boyfriend and I were staying in this little cabin beside a a pond that had so many frogs and just the chorus of these frogs you know just chirping out there sex drive was amazing we I've never actually seen a frog um croaking 
like what the movement is. And we found this one frog that for some reason was not afraid, even when I shone, because they start at dusk and, and ramp up towards in the evening. And when I shone my headlamp on it, it just kept croaking. This little frog, like about the size of my thumb, but a bit rounder, has this huge bulge under its throat that just like, like puffs out and makes this immense sound for a little frog, which is completely the sound of springtime to me. And I've been picking stinging nettles, which is one of my favorite wild forage foods. Yeah, I need to go out and pick more of that, but I have one bag waiting for supper after I finish speaking to you. So springtime is all around. I wonder what you've noticed where you live and what your favorite signs of spring are. And as we mark this equinox, I like to take these seasonal markers, the solstices and the equinoxes, to to feel that turning of the year. The year to me is always a circle. Um, it can be called the wheel of the year in some some ways, or the yeah, the just the turning of the year seems how this, which is appropriate since the Earth is round and the orbit is mostly round. There is a a roundness to the cycle of the year, and to take these seasonal markers to feel that that turning and to think back what I was doing last spring and and in the in the other seasons and also to feel the opposite side of the circle so in this case it would be the like the opposite side is the autumnal equinox and to feel how in in one rests the other because whenever we can feel the balance and even the the, the tension or the dance between two opposites I feel that that broadens our perspective and gives us more of a holistic view of life and helps us to not be so alienated either from ourselves or a part of experience and to hold both whatever that both is to me is a sign of maturity actually and and there's so much richness it's like life is always between those opposites and and the the dance between those to me that's in so many patterns that is where life creativity um, where everything happens really <laughs> um, even if you think in terms of um, permaculture or estuaries and ecosystems the edges of those the edges of the of the garden the edges of like a estuary the edge of the where the ocean meets the river the edge of a forest is often where the where a lot of biodiversity and a lot of life exists is between the zones so between the between holding two things i feel like we can create zones even in our own psyche that are really fertile for new things to grow or old things to regrow <laughs> So at the spring equinox, I also like to sort of, it's almost like I'm looking across a horizon or uh, sorry, across a, um, like a channel of water to the other side and seeing where I was just six months ago in, in autumn and where I will be six months from now 
and to feel the expanse in between and know that in in autumn the already spring is like it's it there's the kernel of spring is in autumn in some cases like the daffodils i actually planted in autumn and now the you know the leaves that will fall in autumn are are about to bud out so each is contained in the other in that way it's sort of like a yin yang symbol you picture that that classic black and white where the the black and the white they're sort of like teardrops almost curvy teardrops hold each other and then also have a spot of the other one in the other so in in spring already there is autumn and in autumn already there is spring so in this life-giving time, I want to talk about death because maybe because it's an easier time to talk about it. Maybe I will also talk about it at autumn, likely, um, but to just bring some of that balancing, um, balancing to this experience of springtime. And because I've been reading the editorials in my local paper and I've been feeling frustrated. So this is partly my editorial and partly my equinox contemplation. Uh, So nursery logs are so important to a forest. And I like what Helen noted that um, they're not really dead trees because there is so much life that comes from a fallen tree. And, and there is a deep, a loss, a deep loss, even, especially when a really old, like a, you know, I think a grandmother tree is a great phrase, those old giants of trees, when they fall over, there is an irreversible loss to the forest, to the birds, to the, yeah, just to everything that that tree is no longer standing And it lives on the forest floor for so much longer than we maybe even realize. Like, there's trees that take hundreds of years to decompose. And and then what grows from that? The nutrients to the soil and how many little seedlings get an immense head start from from, from sprouting on the nursery log. That's but like, like isn't it amazing that the the grandmother tree turns into the nursery log, which is kind of appropriate because grandmother seems to really love having lots of grandchildren. <laughs> if you're a classic, you know, sort of storybook grandma. Um, yeah, this log with a bunch of seedlings, and sometimes in the forests around here, the way that the the seedling grows its roots around the tree because the tree hasn't completely decomposed yet whether it's a stump or a, a fallen log fallen trunk the uh by the time the tree disintegrates like it takes so long that the tr- the new tree's roots have completely grown around it and forevermore are going to be in this shape that the tree the the fallen tree had it's like it's always going to be there it's like there's this generational memory 
of the shape of the tree. And then eventually when that new tree falls over, you know, it, the shape that it falls in will be because of the, tr- the nursery stuff that it grew on. I'm not sure if this is making any sense, but just the, the legacy of these trees is really amazing. And I think in, in spending time with them and in looking at them carefully and, and studying them and not just studying the, the, the seedlings and the standing trees, but also the fallen trees. And we, we can learn something about the importance of death. And my take on current society is that death is something we don't talk about often enough for something that everybody's going to experience and everybody like experience personally and that everybody has encountered many times in people around them dying longer, the longer that you live. It's, it's not talked about very much. Like the sentences we, we say about it are usually short. Often we don't even use the word. And, and I feel like we're losing out on a lot of depth of experience and of connection, of understanding and wisdom by shying away from death. <clears throat> so, so I want to talk about it a bit. Um, I'm sure there will be more episodes where death is a related or maybe even central theme because I wonder what we miss out on when we shy away from it. And this next part is potentially controversial, but I feel quite important to say in light of the pandemic that at least where I live, this is why I was angry at the editor uh, wanting to write to my local paper is because in so far, and we're quite a ways into this, all of the regular mainstream news and coverage and um, information and basically like the whole attitude with which the pandemic has been approached has, yes, been talking about death because the death toll is something that we're confronted with and, and notified of and all this. But it feels to me like death is completely framed like something unnatural. And, and this is, a, this is tr- troublesome to me. And I am not suggesting that suffering is good and that I want a bunch of people to die. I'm just saying that the framing, if we frame our worldview and our discussions like death is the thing that shouldn't happen at all costs and like it's really, really unnatural and, and just so like the, the thing we need to work towards the absolute most is to avoid death, I find really problematic because... I think it it prevents us from asking, it distracts us from asking some really important questions about what does a good life look like? Or what does a good death look like? What is really important? 
What kind of life do we want to live before we die? Is there, is there some conditions under which we don't want to keep on living? What about loneliness? What about, what about loss of freedom? What about, what about how we're living together as a society? What about what our children are learning? What about our, what our children are learning about death? And it feels to me like the general public discourse is, is not getting to those questions because it's as if the answer has already been decided that death is bad, therefore we do anything we can to avoid it. And because the coronavirus can cause death, it, it gets very simplified, it seems. And now it's a complicated issue. <laughs> but I mean that it's like A equals B equals C. Like death is bad, so corona could cause death. So like it, I don't want to get completely political about this. I'm just trying to say that that feels like the starting ground for all of our decisions and most of our discussion starts like way, way back before what we do about coronavirus, before how it spreads, before masks and their use and before social distancing, which, com- which businesses should be open and which should be closed and how big a groups are reasonable and whether we should go to back to school or not. Before all those, it feels like way, way back the the assumption that nobody is questioning is that death is bad and we should avoid it which that's the one i just want to point out that death isn't bad death isn't unnatural death is what happens death is completely a part of this whole experience this whole being a human this whole universe the entire show involves death like and if we're shying away from that and not talking about it and not acknowledging it I suspect that we are not living life as wisely as we could it's like it just feels like we're ignoring a huge part of existence and of society and of our families and of our fears and there's this huge piece that we're not talking about so I just I really want to point that out it feels important it feels risky in that you know how many people are saying that and and yet it feels important um yeah feels important. (sighs) Yeah, what questions are we, are we not asking because we've started with the premise that death is bad? And I want to give this, I want to also, I'm not sure if it's context or just broadening, that the death can be really difficult and some ways to die are much more difficult than others and some are probably not difficult at all and some are merciful and and some 
Yeah, some are a gift. Sometimes death is the best thing that could happen. Sometimes death is the worst thing that could happen from our viewpoint. And we are only ever looking from our viewpoint, which is very short-sighted in the long scheme of things. And, and yet when death happens to someone close to you, it feels like the entire world. And, and grief is so consuming and and I feel like both of those haven't been talked about enough like the world is grieving now in a deeper way than like so many people are grieving so many people have lost somebody who's died because of the coronavirus and and why are we not learning about the stages of grief and about how to support people who are grieving, how to be friends with people who've lost somebody. Maybe you're somebody who's lost somebody. And and grief is so nuanced and deep and different for everybody and takes way longer than you wish it would and can be so rich with learning and poignancy and and can enliven life in a way you didn't know was possible. Like it's all there. And, and we're not talking about the death part. We're not talking about, like, you see how we're, 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 we've, our societal lives have been shaped so differently in the last year because we're avoiding death, but we're also not talking about death. Like, we're not talking about, about what it's like to lose somebody and, and about death being part of life and maybe not the thing to be avoided most of all. Yeah. So this springtime, as you see everything popping up and and all this new life, I wonder if we can hold both. Like, at least around here, the daffodils are popping up right by the leaves that fell off the trees in the autumn. And and some families, somebody was born this year and somebody died this year. It's actually quite common that a grandchild will be born at the same time that the grandparents die. And, and you feel not only the wheel of the year turning, but the cycle of generations turning. And... I hope that you can feel that and and hold the beauty and the tears. Maybe the tears are for both. Maybe the tears are with sadness and joy. Like they all live together. They all live together. Yeah. And to close, I'd like to read you a John O'Donohue blessing. John O'Donohue is a Celtic mystic um, who died a few years ago. And one of the ways that we can feel somebody's spirit and almost like the shape of their nursery log after they've died is, is in everything that grows from their, from their work and their memory. And yeah, most of the poets I read aren't alive. And, and their words keep growing new things. 
So this is a blessing for on passing a graveyard. And I'm going to read it twice. On passing a graveyard. May perpetual light shine upon the faces of all who rest here. May the lives they lived unfold further in spirit. May all their past travails find ease in the kindness of clay. May the remembering earth mind every memory they brought. May the rains from the heavens fall gently upon them. May the wildflowers and grasses whisper their wishes into light. May we reverence the village of presence in the stillness of this silent field. I wonder if next time you walk in a forest, you can also see how the forest is a graveyard of fallen trees and is so alive. On passing a graveyard, may perpetual light shine upon the faces of all who rest here. May the lives they lived unfold further in spirit. May all their past travails find ease in the kindness of clay. May the remembering earth mind every memory they brought. May the rains from the heavens fall gently upon them. May the wildflowers and grasses whisper their wishes into light. May we reverence the village of presence in the stillness of this silent field. And therein concludes my equinox contemplation on the importance of death. I say that with a chuckle because it's kind of an unexpected juxtaposition. But I hope that you heard something that will um, inspire or, um, yeah, just sort of almost uh, sprout. (laughs) Something that will sprout inside you. And... um, If you enjoyed this episode or any others before it, um, I hope you subscribe so you can keep knowing when they show up. And if you want to share this with anybody in your life who could use a little magic, could use um, some thoughts around death and life in springtime, um, feel free, please share it. That would be great. And until next time, may you experience the magic of springtime. And the magic of death, the magic of the whole thing, may you experience the magic of the real world. Bye for now.